This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm your host Neil Murray and this week it's, it's just Stefan with us. Uh, James is, is no showed. No, um, well after Partick Thistle's relegation we figured we had no use for him so James has been fired actually. Yeah, he been fired and to be fair it's just because he's been in a dark room since Sunday so uh, yeah, no. I kind of feel bad for him losing his job and <laughs> his club's premiership status in the same week. <laughs> he's not actually lost his job but he's actually in holiday with his lovely lady uh, hoping to try and forget about uh, what's happened in the world. Yeah, I messaged him today actually to follow up on some work and he said he's been out of the loop thankfully except for that game so... Yeah, it's been a bad week to be a part of Thistle fan, isn't it? Um, well, you know, that's just what it's like being a Thistle fan. You can go anywhere in the world, you just can't escape them. I know, famously, I the famously famous, the famously famous. <laughs> well, to be fair, you can't escape the face of Kingsley, <laughs> staring relegation in the face. Um, no, I mean, congratulations to, to David Hopkin and, and Livingston. We're going to talk managers today, I think, before we do. I think we put a poll out last night. We're going to focus on premiership managers for the purpose of this podcast, because we only usually have about half an hour if we were to discuss everybody in the SBFL, we might be struggling to fit it into a day. Yeah, I think we just figured that you could probably quite easily say what Hopkins has done at Livingston and to a less extent what Jack Roston sitting down are pretty smashing and it would just be half an hour of us arguing about that and then arguing about Brendan Rogers and things. We think, well, let's just keep it to the Premiership. And yeah, let's just argue about the Premiership. Um, but if you're a Livingston or St. Mirren fan, we got a lot of love for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Livingston... They had no right to go up at all. Like targeting survival. Well, they had some right. I mean, they are some a right. professional team. That no, of course, yeah, yeah. But they. You saying they don't deserve to be there? I mean, no. I was there for the Dundee United <laughs> second leg, and they definitely did. They they did they, they run through walls for their manager and hmm. whatever. But what was what was meaning was they were coming up like we're going to target survival and we're building that. Of course, on that. yeah, no, just. And uh, I know it's just. And I've been to a few Thistle games and they absolutely deserve to get relegated. They have been pretty awful. I mean, I think even Archibald by the end was saying we deserve to go down because um, mm. they, they have been pretty rotten. There's no creativity in that team. They really just can't score goals either. Um, I suppose it makes for a more competitive championship. It is a shame because obviously after last season finishing top six, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'd like to really see... Uh, I know this isn't the topic for me to get off it, but it'd be really nice if we saw both um, Thistle and Ross County just kind of dump the vast majority of both our squads and just rebuild under Kettlewell and Archibald. Yeah. I'd like to both stick around. I think, by the sense of things, that's definitely happening at Thistle in terms of budgets. And I know James wrote something a while ago and Archibald's just over there if they're relegated. So I'm interested that this week that he'll, he said he's going to make a decision. So, I mean, I think we both probably hope he stays. Good manager, he's had a tough season. But anyway, that's going to be for another day. Yes. Uh, we're going to discuss manager of the year. So, Premiership manager. Premiership manager of the year, yes. So now, I keep bunning. No, no. Now, we should probably get this off and start. Even though it's Premiership manager of the year, we're, we're judging each manager on every competition they played in. Okay. So even though it's Premiership, we're still judging them on European performances too. Okay. Which might be a little insight into what I'm about to say in the future. Okay, brilliant. I mean, a Motherwell <clears throat> non-existent in Europe this season. No, they're fine. They're <laughs> fine in that regard, yeah. No, fair enough. Uh, well, I think we'll we just start then with Brendan Rodgers because... Let's be honest, he's the one that people are talking about at the moment, given what happened at the weekend, that historic double treble. Surely he's manager of the year. Back-to-back trebles, it's never been done before. The one absolutely everything domestically Celtic, case closed. 
Yeah. Podcast done. Cool. No, um, yeah, this is the really tricky thing about the, the kind of doing the kind of premiership or any sort of manager here because you, you simply can't uh, not give it to the guy who won everything. Um, and I think in any given season, you'd say, yeah, you know, Celtic have a Senate, have a kind of asterisk next to them because they obviously have so much more money. Uh, and they, they certainly do. Um, but I think Celtic can still defend that by saying, yeah, we do have so much money and we're expected to do these things, but we did do them. Um, the one thing I think that really stands out for me, maybe just two of them for, in terms of Rogers, is that um, maybe I'm giving too much credit here and a few people might say this is, this is specifically what he should be doing, but I think Rogers has had to contend with a squad that's far less incentivized to do things this season. A huge number of players in that squad, I think, who just aren't really up to proving themselves as they did last season. Um, there's some obvious ones, for example, like Sinclair. Uh, there's some other players who are just kind of diminishing, for example, Lustig. Um, Scott he... Brown at times, although I think he's been fantastic this season, um, he's had to kind of step in and out. He's had to bring other players in. And I think he's, by and large, done a good job of making things fit. For example, the way we've seen Cham come into the mm -hmm. team, the way we've seen Forrest come into the team we've seen Ayer come into the team um, you know and they have filled in for players like Sviachenko or Roberts when these guys have either been told to bugger off or uh, they haven't been able to play so I think Rodgers deserves a lot of credit in the sense that he's kept the ball rolling and the other the other thing that I'd say is a gold star next to Rodgers season is the fact that Celtic got to the Champions League group stages which is beyond any doubt, the most important thing for Celtic as a football club. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the kind of pinnacle, that's as high as Celtic can probably achieve at this point in their history. Um, to go any further would just be, you know, you can't really demand any more of them. Yeah. Finish third, I know you look at the performances from the group stages, they don't look that appealing um, in a sense, you know, they got battered off Bayern Munich and PSG, but they did, they did what they had to do. Uh, and obviously then, yeah, you can maybe argue they should have done better against Senate, St. Petersburg, but by that point, they'd already surpassed my expectations. So, I'd say in terms of domestically, they've done, they've they've reached, they've done everything they had to do. And in terms of European football, they surpassed my expectations. So I'm quite happy to make Rogers. I know we shouldn't have done him first, but he probably would be in my regards. He's he's had a basically a perfect season in my opinion. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, it's hard to argue against him, and I think we will. We actually, I, th I still think there's a case for the people in terms of we've got some stats and. If you want to just do it black and white, yeah, of course it's going to be very difficult to argue against him when he's won the treble. But I think you talk about the European campaign, making making the group stages, yeah, sure. I still think you say they were battered by PSG and Bayern. They were also battered by Anderlecht as well. Mm. Um, very lucky to get into the Europa League, in my opinion. Yeah. That last game was really bizarre. Really bizarre. Like they had that one good Anderlecht performance, and that was it. And then against Zenit, again, I know Zenit again more money, but. Um, I still think they, I still think they could do better in Europe, and by that I mean if they maybe and maybe it comes into a favourable draw in the Europa League, but I still think there could be more to be done there, given how much they spend. And if they are to spend, for example, millions and millions of pounds on someone like Edouard this summer, mm. that should mean that they're not getting a pass. They should be at very least finishing third in that Champions League group, and then doing something in the Europa League, in my opinion. If because there's players, I mean, I, I guess in, in terms of this season against Zenit might be hard, but there's teams in there that they definitely could beat, in my opinion, in that Europa League that were left. Um, domestically, yeah, I, I, again, I think um, Rodgers, coming from, from another point of view, did very, very well. 
obviously, but there's the whole thing that Rangers were an absolute riot and uh, Aberdeen only finished nine points behind them. So not that that says he doesn't deserve to be manager of the year, but it's interesting to see if he's going to be able to take another step up next season because they've basically been unchallenged domestically for two seasons now, really. Yeah. Really. So... But what else can he do, though? No, this is it. It's true. Like, I mean, another season maybe even invincible, which isn't realistic, in all honesty. So you're right. I mean, it's like, what, what else can he do? Um, I think you simply can't judge Celtic on a domestic form at all, because you're right, there are no comparisons. Um, I'm willing to defend him somewhat when you say, you know, even the money Celtic have spent, it's minuscule compared to what the teams they play in the Champions League. I know Anderlecht are probably a similar-sized club, so you could argue they should have won that game at Celtic Park. Um, I think that was just a case of Celtic basically thinking the job was already done and they're like definitely surprised them and that could have went disastrously wrong um, but you're talking about a competition in which you know I'm just, I just when you were talking there I looked up that the other teams that finished third last season Atletico Madrid Leipzig Na- Napoli Borussia Dortmund Spartak Moscow these are teams who spend considerably more money than Celtic yeah. and, they, and they you know so although the money Celtic have and spend compared to Scottish teams is astronomical it's actually just it's a drop in the ocean compared to teams that are expected to compete against the Champions League so I think the way I look at Celtic right now is get to the Champions League group stages and if they can do anything from there is a bonus mm-hmm. and maybe that's maybe I'm just being a little too realist or I'm a bit of a realist or maybe just pessimistic wouldn't be like me uh, but um, that's kind of how I judge them no, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I don't think you can expect them to go any further, really. As you, you're, you're talking about budgets there, and if that's the team's finishing third, we've seen how they've been battered off PSG and Bayern. It's likely they're always going to get the two teams. They did actually quite well against Bayern and Celtic Park. Mm-hmm. I was at that game, and I thought they did remarkably well. Was it 2-1 or 3-1? Yeah, they're really unlucky, actually, yeah. the, the goals. And but I thought Cal McGregor had a superb game. Mm-hmm. That, that it's night. been great all season. I mean, here's, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but just for, for my sake, say Motherwell were to win one of those cups, mm-hmm. would they still be manager of the season? Um, if Motherwell won a Scottish Cup on on Saturday, I don't think he would actually. That's a very good point. Um, only simply because it because it would have been such a huge upset. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about Robinson at one point. I think he's like, he's also a candidate for manager year, so that would have propelled him beyond Rodgers, in my opinion, if he'd won that Scottish Cup. Um, and that's kind of the, the that's kind of the problem with being the Celtic managers. You know, heavy lies the crown. Um, heavy lies the crown the head where's the crown I can't remember um, but it is the it's Celtic you're either doing absolutely fine or it's a disaster there's no there's no midpoint there's no there's no you know uh, he's doing okay yeah, yeah. you know um, and that is that's how small the margins are at Celtic I mean I think I was having a conversation with some people on Twitter a few weeks ago about um, you know how Celtic's points tally this season is actually quite comparable to what Ronnie Dyla achieved and my kind of argument was that it's hard to it's, it's quite hard to actually break down the differences between one Celtic manager and next because in terms of domestic football there's such small margins to improve upon um, but that also means that when you don't match one of them there's, a, there's such a there's such a d- drastic fall so you're absolutely right if Celtic hadn't won the Scottish Cup then there would have been that drastic fall, but because they did, it's only a marginal gain. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I completely and that's, and that's And that's the curse of being Celtic and having like so much more money than anyone else. You only get so much credit, but mm. in my opinion, um, Rodgers has done the very... I think he's basically done ex- everything he's, he, could, he could have done this season. Yeah, I mean, the back-to-back travel things, you, 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 it's that thing as well where like, 
you just can't see Rodgers and Celtic slipping up. Yep. Even on Saturday, we last week were probably one of the outlets, and actually quite a lot of even the mainstream media were talking, bigging up Motherwell's chances. And mm. I, I genuinely believed, uh, truly in my heart, believed that <laughs> Motherwell could go there and really trouble them. And whether it was down to them not playing particularly well or Celtic uh, playing well, I think it was maybe a mixture of both, because Celtic have to take credit, of course they do. But um, Celtic just never don't turn up to these big occasions. Yeah. Like when they need to win, they win. And you wrote something on it, and my article was Celtic will win because they always but it, win. It's so true. Like yeah. I mean, that that game, for example, even though I thought Muller had a chance, as soon as Celtic scored, I thought, well, that's it. I might as well not watch the rest of this because there's no way they're they're gonna lose. And it's I don't know. It's such a testament to Rodgers and actually the pl- the players as well because we're talking about someone like. Scott Sinclair, for example, or Partick Roberts. Partick Roberts. Partick Roberts. Yeah, God. And Patrick Thistle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Patrick Roberts, who um, didn't have as good a season, partly down to injury, but also partly down to. Um, was a bit of a shadow of the player that he was last season because Forrest came in and has really done a better job. Um, whether that's down to his lack of motivation compared to last season to prove himself. Um, Sinclair, it's maybe partly down to that. People found out how he plays. That aside, these players have got to go from being unbeaten in the season when they lose the invincible record, going back to winning games, mm-hmm. uh, still beating these teams. I, I just, I'm just very, very impressed that you can do it because it'd be so easy to rest in your laurels and we've seen good teams do it before. When Rangers and Celtic used to be vying for the title every week and it was the helicopter Sunday kind of seasons, mm-hmm. they, they would slip up, slip up mm-hmm. quite a lot and that was like high-pressure situations. Previous with Celtic, you just never think it's going to happen and when you do it's a huge huge shock because it really requires them not to turn up yeah another thing i'll probably add to the kind of list of achievements Rodgers has done and maybe it could arguably the most important one is the fact that how he's improved players i know i mentioned it briefly but if you want to argue maybe kieran tierney was the first kind of young player that improved under him and then this season we've seen i just said force has come in mcgregor's come in more uh, we have seen Ayer come in, Jack Henry to a lesser extent. Forrest is a great season as well. Like, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Oliver and Cham in the middle of the park and Odson Edward as well, actually. I mean, I did a piece on this week about whether Celtic should sign him and it's only once I've really dug, dug into the details and you read about how much Rodgers really wants to sign him and how much he probably wants to say it's Celtic, the way he talks about it. And you can understand it because he's came in at Celtic and he's actually improved. He knows he's improved under Rodgers as have all these other young players and... I think, you know, when everyone says, is Roger going to stick around for 10 in a row and what can he do? And then he gives these interviews, he's like, well, you know, there's always room for improvement. I actually believe him because I think when Rogers looks at this team, he probably gets more out of actually coaching these young players and making them better rather than just another League Cup final, you know? And you could also probably point, you can, even just those four or five players I've mentioned to you there, that's a spine of what will probably become the next Celtic team under Rogers. We'll see Sinclair. We'll see Sinclair move on. Obviously, Scott Brown will diminish in, uh, in his importance as he gets older. Um, Bayata will probably move on as well. Um, these these players already kind of have their replacements. Um, and you're right. I mean, you, those players you mentioned, your Browns, your Bayatas, whoever, if they were out of the team right now, you wouldn't be worried if you were a Celtic fan that you'd struggle because mm-hmm. you've got instant replacements there who are just as good. Like in Cham. Been a, they, I remember when they bought him the start of the season, nobody really knew anything about him, but mm. what a signing he's turned out to be. And again, yep. as you say, Rogers has got to take credit. He didn't come that player. Yep. He's Edward's over, the same, actually. Edward, well, I, I obviously read your piece this, um, today, and it was that kind of thing where 
you're so surprised because he's such limited game time. Yeah. But anytime he has, he's completely delivered. And not even just in games against smaller teams. Mm. Obviously, it's well documented how he scored that goal against Rangers. But he doesn't look at a place in the big games. Um, he can deliver. And it's a great option for them to have this season when you've had Griffiths injured, Dembele not firing off cylinders and also struggling with injury all the time. He has, it's, and he deserves a huge amount of credit. Uh, I'm just waiting for time because we're halfway yeah. through. And um, yeah, I think just before moving on, I think this also kind of drives home the point it's, it's, it's so important that the PFM Manager of the Year Award should be at a time where the season is finished because we're talking about how if they hadn't won that Scottish Cup on Saturday well then the next person we're going to talk about Stephen Robinson could very well be in a pole position to win it because mm-hmm. how can we how in all honesty can can we do that before essentially I've, I wrote an article about it and it's com- I completely don't want to diminish or take away from Jack Ross's achievement. He's done mm. something amazing bringing up St Mirren, a team who were struggling, looking bereft of ideas, destined for lower league football, like, uh, League 1, League 2. And then, now they're just forced and uh, most people seem to think they'll hit the ground running when they come up. Mm. Uh, and he's also been courted by other, other uh, like Ipswich down south and Sunderland or whatever. That said, we look at Steve Clark. We look at well, Steve Clark maybe not at a lesser extent, but Stephen Robinson, who had that cup final coming up. Mm. Uh, Rogers, who hadn't finished the treble yet, um, Neil and Lennon. Neil Lennon, who yeah, they finished fourth, but still was very I much not present. McInnes as well, yeah. yeah. So um, I think we'll talk about Robinson now, um, okay. if you're okay with that. Robinson in particular, yeah, they didn't finish top six, but this is a team who many would have like probably picked to be in and around the relegation scrap mm-hmm. at the very least in the playoff spot. Um, finished seventh at no point and they were, they were flying high at the start of the season uh, in the league as well so at no point were they thinking about relegation or anything like that and have just performed so well as a cup side I mean uh, yeah they were out playing Saturday the League Cup in November I thought they were very unlucky really kind of matched Celtic for most of that game until the sending off um, a controversial penalty decision so I think he's got to be in the conversation for sure yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that performance in the Scottish Cup final doesn't really tar what has been a, an amazing season at Motherwell. Um, two Cup finals for any club is astounding. I mean, unless you're Celtic, I guess, it's it's definitely not expected. I mean, could you imagine a Rangers manager got to look two Cup finals this season and then lost to Celtic? You'd, they'd, they'd still demand immense credit for doing that, you know? So... That's something that I think really holds Robinson up against really any manager, in my opinion, this season. Um, on top of that, we're also talking about seventh place in a league that was really well contested for the top six spots. I know you'll probably have a lot of people saying, well, what about Hearts? But we're talking about Hearts team lost one home game all season, you know? So Hearts haven't been exactly on fire, but they also haven't been terrible either. They've picked up points, they've picked up big scalps against Celtic, for example. So there are no pushovers um, either. And kind of similarly to Stephen Robinson, uh, to Brendan Rodgers rather, um, Robinson, despite his reputation, he his team seemed to have of being these kind of like hammer throwing thugs. Um, they do play good football, at least I think. So I appreciate the way they play football. I appreciate the way that Robinson has got them doing what he wants them to do in his tactical system. The coach is meant to coach is meant to be able to walk into a squad and basically teach players how to play a certain way to win games and that's exactly what he's done if you want to argue over whether you know total football was more impressive than you know something that AC Milan did maybe 20 years ago in Serie A that's fine but you can't argue when a coach for example for example Jose Mourinho has made a whole career out of really coming into squad clubs I know he's not really doing it at United but he's one of the best coaches 
ever is regarded as such because he can make a team very functional and he can coach them all, he can educate them all into playing his system. I'm not really saying Stephen Robinson's Jose Mourinho, but it's a kind of no, lesser extent of that, I where mean, he's, like, he's, yeah, he's came in and he's made them functional, he's made them hard to beat, and that's a really impressive thing well, to it's do. It's all well people saying, oh, it's not tiki-taka or it's not the beautiful game, but here's the thing, it's, it's tactic, tactically, he knows exactly what he's doing, he knows how he's setting up his team. The players, as you say, can play that system very, very well. It's super effective as well. They wouldn't have been able to reach two cup finals if that wasn't the case. And also, as you say, like seventh in the league is not to be sniffed at. It's also that kind of thing where like, this is a club with a small budget. If you want to play total football and then get relegated, that's up to you. But mm. let's be honest, he's got players, he's looked at what he's got. He's bought people like Curtis Main, like a Chief Chi, and he knows like they've got a certain type of player at the club and how to set that up. Mm. Rather than Go, go trying to force a system upon players that just isn't going to work or isn't going to suit them and then that's when you start to get dragged into trouble and it, it is, I think it's really easy we've talked about this in the podcast a few times I say it's so easy just to kind of say they're thugs or they're overly physical and they are physical there's no doubts about that but there's a, a method to that physicality it's not as black and white as that so I do I do think um, he deserves a lot of credit because again I, I would have been probably at the start of the season they would have been about those bottom four teams mm-hmm. or bottom five teams. Um, do you yeah. mean like definitely clo- much closer to the playoff than they, they ended up? Do you mean? Yeah, here is Scottish Cup final. I said on Twitter that despite what happens today, Robinson's done something that's comparable to any achievement any coach has mm-hmm. done in the league this season. I had a few Celtic fans saying he's finished seventh. I'm like, you have to look beyond the league table when it comes to these sort of things. There's so many more metrics you have to consider. For example, um, this is actually a point I was going to raise in favour of Clark, but before we went, before we started recording, I actually looked up based on the kind of average weekly wage of every club uh, or sat or wage bill. You know, how many points per hundred thousand pounds spent on wages has every club earned this season? That's why you're the numbers guy. Um, and Motherwell came second with two point seven points per hundred thousand pounds spent on okay. wage bill. I hope that makes sense to the listeners. I hate getting into the weeds and stuff like that, but. So basically, in terms of money spent on wage bill, Mother was the second most efficient. I'm sure, I won't say who's first. I maybe already did, but I'll leave it to later. No, I think you did. Um, so I think that's hugely important. As you touched upon, um, like Rogers, he's brought in a lot of young players. Not really brought them in, but he's improved them. People forget it's, this is Cedric Keepery's first ever professional career as a footballer, uh, season as a footballer. Um, yeah, he's not without faults. He can be quite clumsy and forgetful and stuff at times in the back. But he's still a very young player. He's obviously been, I forget he's that young. You know, um, Alan Campbell in Willow Park looks to me like a future international. Chris Cadden as well. These guys have all came on leaps and bounds. And if this was a team that were just humping balls up the park and they were kicking people off the pitch, these three guys wouldn't excel in this team. And they do. You know, I know Campbell played something of a hatchet job in a Scottish Cup final I think I was mostly down to frustration more than anything else but those three guys are a testament to Robinson's coach in my opinion another final fact which kind of blew my mind when I figured this out today um, Robinson's win ratio this season is 47% in all competitions right is it better than Morris Malpasses though? it is better than Morris okay, Malpasses okay. not only is it better than Morris Malpasses but it beats every single Motherwell manager right back until David Hay in 1982 um, although those stats are possibly including friendlies because I got the, I got the, the rest of the coaches off Wikipedia's or Motherwell's page on Wikipedia so that might not be entirely fact but you have to look at that That's the, 
47% win ratio for Motherwell manager is incredible. And it shows um, how well they've done, even though they finished seventh. Sure, a lot of those wins came in the both cup finals, but they beat a lot of good teams to get to either of those cup finals. I think another point as well is that they started off the season very well, and as well as Curtis Main has played, they lost Louis Moult, yeah. right, from January. So it's, that is, yeah, they recovered well and they didn't go in a complete downward spiral, but that cannot be um, underplayed, the fact that they lost someone who was talismanic to them, to be honest with you. He was the kind of player who would score, that is valuable for a smaller team, can score from nothing, can score against anybody. and It's the equivalent of... Met, uh, Celtic losing Scott Brown or Aberdeen losing Graham Shinney in January exactly and they did really well to recover from that but I think we'll move on uh, if, unless you've got anything else you want to say mm-hmm. Robinson no. is he your manager this season? should we leave that to the end of the day? yeah I think we should leave it then I, okay. don't, I don't care is um, <laughs> okay well okay. it's so harsh like he's obviously done such a good job I, I'm thinking about who else we've got to talk about right yeah okay um, well we talk Steve Clark. sure uh, Steve Clark, who uh, is the darling of Scottish football media, is the darling of Scottish football, is the darling of Ayrshire, and for a good reason. Uh, this Kilmarnock side uh, really floundering under Lee McCulloch. They were only going one way, and that was a kind of first-class ticket to the Championship before Clark came and kind of saved the day. If Dumfries have the Queen of the South, can we call Clark the King of the South? Um, y- you can. Um, <laughs> I'll get on the phone to Kilmarnock and see what they Yeah, you know, yeah, you can talk to Kilmarnock. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure like, if they could, they would have done it. New, new Martin campaign for next season. Yeah, there you go. Um, get that patented before we move on. But no, I, I, I think, again, it's it's the one that most people are probably talking about. It's hardly a shock that we're, we're talking about Steve Clark. But what a job he's done. Mm-hmm. What a job he's done. So you've got a team where, and it's Kilmarnock are always scrapping at the bottom of the table, small budget, a club where really for season on every season is essentially a season to battle to keep their top flight status. Um, I mean, he came in, I, I knew, I, I was rated him as a manager down south and he'd been kind of shabbily treated a wee bit uh, at some clubs, but you're, you're always a bit like, Owen Coyle, for example, he's a much better manager than Owen Coyle, obviously, be like, will this work? Will this work out? And I don't think Kilmarnock fans could have hoped for a better season. It's pretty remarkable how the He's brought on some players, he's brought in the likes of Malumbu as well, we'll get, that to, get to that later. But it's also just how every game, for for a good portion, they had that unbeaten home record. You were like, Celtic, when they went there and lost, you're like, they, they cannot be beaten here. They're just so, when they go ahead, they were so hard to break down. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think Clark, he would be my manager of the year. Yeah, I... I think Clark's probably the hardest one to argue against um, alongside Rodgers. He and Kilmarnock are top of my, you know, points per £100,000 spent uh, graph. They sit top with 3.7 points per 100000 and the closest were Motherwell at 2.7. Um, and, yeah, it's completely hard to argue against. It. Obviously, um, they did amazing in the league, record points total, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, again... He's brought through a number of key players as well. Not really brought them through, but he's, he's continued to improve them. Um, Greg Taylor, left back, looks amazing. Jordan Jones, again, I'm sure the club will be doing their best hold on to him this summer. And one who really stood out for me actually is Eamon Brophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chris Boyd, obviously, is a talisman in this team, but Brophy's kind of flew under the radar, I think, a lot because he's not Chris Boyd. And he's not scoring as many as Chris Boyd. But he's, his not goal, the, he's not doing the punditry before the match. He's not the, TV, exactly, so. but he has undoubtedly actually been one of the best forwards in the league this season. He's come out of almost nowhere. Um, I actually, I was at the Hearts game when they drew at Tynecastle, and 
Brophy scored that night and he just he works so hard but he's also like quite a unit like he's pretty built like yeah. he's but he's, he's just got quite a good he's really fast and really good for like the likes of Boyd though because he's, he's yeah. a good passer and he's good good link up play I was really, and that's the first time I've seen him actually play properly and I was very very impressed and I think they've got a job in their hands to keep quite a few players this season to be honest I think Jones is another yeah. one I mean I definitely recommend the long the talking tactics interview we did with Guy Dicker early in the year and the thing that stood out for me when we spoke to him was the way that he said that you know their training regimes are essentially um, looking at who they're coming up against and working towards that which to me kind of shows the pinnacle of just how outstanding a coach Steve Clark is mm-hmm. he's not a coach who just says I play this way and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't a la Derek McInnes or to a large extent maybe Brendan Rodgers in Europe he's a guy who sits down he studies the opposition and he tells his players how we're going to beat them and they have done that um, the only team who they've struggled to beat this season and <laughs> might be the one black mark on Clark's uh, record this season is obviously Aberdeen who knocked him out of the cup um, obviously Kamarnock were out of the league cup before Clark showed up that might be the one that's the, that's the one kind of black mark on his record for me Aberdeen um, fans love to remind anybody that tweets in about Clark about that, don't they? Well, of course. And so they should, to be honest, because they have steamrolled teams. They've steamrolled Celtic, Rangers, whoever else you want to call. Um, I, don't, I think Hebs might have a decent record against them too, perhaps. But that's that just kind of shows to me that how good a coach he is. Not only is he bringing three young players again, but um, he, 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 he has almost become this specialist in... Um, preparing his teams to cause an upset and well, that adds so much to the league in my opinion you know yeah well I think we don't, we don't I don't think there's another coach like him in the league like, as you say so you, we talked about Robinson there he'll set up his team a certain way because he's got physical players or players that can play that style mm-hmm. but as you say Clark's the kind of guy that will look at the opposition and his game plan will depend completely on who they play so like how he played against Rangers will be completely different against how he plays, plays against Celtic but equally as effective yeah um, and it's just as you say, brilliant that we've got a coach of that calibre in the league. Never mind not an old firm team or an Edinburgh team or even Aberdeen. Yeah. We've got him at Kilmarnock and it's brilliant news for Kilmarnock, it's brilliant news for the league. Uh, it's also great news that by all means he's going to be there next season uh, and that's great. Uh, and he, I think we've said this before as well though, he seems to be enjoying himself. I think it's, he can, and I think it was maybe you or, uh, or one of us in the podcast before, it, it's that kind of thing, but it's a kind of it's kind of like rehabilitation up here where he can express himself and know he's going to be given time to build something up here. Whereas mm-hmm. if he was in the championship, which is so cutthroat, um, and I'd probably say to a lesser extent than the championship, the Premier League, which is also cutthroat, um, you don't get results straight away. You're getting you're getting sacked. Whereas up here with Kilmarnock, he has time to kind of stamp that on. And yeah, it probably helped that he hit the ground running and he's done a brilliant job. But mm-hmm. even if he was to lose five or six games. There's not going to be talk about getting about getting sacked. It'll, they'll give him the time to sit down and try and do something different. And um, it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on next season because Malumbu will be a miss. Uh, I know we talk about how great Dicker is. There's uh, no talk he might stay around, though. It's interesting. Well, yeah, he's not ruled out, has he? Yeah. Uh, that would be a good story. Turning down Bordeaux for tomorrow, <laughs> I'd be loving that. Um, but whether to lose him or Jones or whatever, uh, or key players, it be interesting to see how they, they get on. But... I don't have any doubts that they'll be around the top six next season. I'd be I'd be actually more surprised if they weren't. And I know everybody's going to be strengthening, um, but he is like a twelfth man to them. Mm-hmm. He, he really is, and uh, I, I know think Kilmarnock fans are very well aware, very aware of what what they have. And 
I think talking to someone from Kilmarnock, season ticket sales are really good. They've had open training sessions that have been well attended. There's an app, real buzz around the club and he's yeah. got to take the vast majority of credit for that, him and his players. And that, that for me is, and, and I think it'd have to be between him and Rodgers. Rodgers, it's really hard to argue against because of the treble and because of what he's done. But in terms of winning the manager of the year without winning a trophy, Clark couldn't do any more, in mm. my opinion. Uh, with that club I think what he's done is absolutely remarkable and it's by far the best commander team I've seen since I've been alive yeah I mean I think what Clark's done kind of makes you wonder about what he as a coach can go on to do in Scottish football I think the the comparisons that people keep making or the suggestions people keep making is he could be an ex-Celtic manager I'm not so sure if um, I'm not sure if Celtic fans have put up the kind of football he likes to play throughout the whole season but I could totally imagine him getting the absolute best out of Celtic in the Champions League, for example, where he'd set them up within an inch of perfection to trouble the likes of PSG or Barcelona or whoever, the way that his Kilmarnock have done yeah. that against Celtic yeah. Rangers. Um, so that just kind of shows a testament, or is a testament to how good a coach is. And I think you're right. I think uh, when you look at like, kind of the list, he, along with Rodgers, in my opinion, the two that really just haven't, done, haven't put a foot wrong this season. Right. And for purposes of time, sorry, let's move on to two more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go Neil Lennon. Okay. Yeah. I think it's actually quite straightforward to be honest with you. If he'd finished second, he would have been up there in my opinion. He didn't. Um, now I think he obviously deserves a huge amount of credit for the way that this Hibs team have played. Yeah, they did come up for the championship, and to an extent, you give him credit for doing so well. But so did Hearts, so did Rangers to a lesser extent. Yeah. But. You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to kind of piss on the parade, but it's not as if they. It's not as if they set the tone of a championship team, surprising people to an extent. No, you know? I think it's a thing though. Like they do have to take credit to an extent because at no point I regularly forgot throughout the season they were a team that'd been promoted. But it is a huge club, yeah. and they did have a good team. Like you think about the team they've come up with. If, mm. For example, think about the squad Livingston is bringing up, right? Yeah. And you compare that to what Hibbs brought up, and even who they signed that summer, it's worlds apart so there is that but at the same time yeah if they'd finished second I think it'd be very hard to I'd be making a strong argument for Lennon as I would have Rodgers and Clark mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm at Lennon's press conferences most weeks and I, I really like him I think he speaks really well he's so passionate about our game he talks it up um, I, I actually really liked that I, I, didn't, I didn't like that he threatened he was going to quit but I liked how I liked how passionate he is that fourth for him was not good enough. Like yeah. he, he really believed. I think he also knows that this is probably a, the best opportunity Hibs are going to have to finish second, mm. because, well, we've said this every season. Rangers are going to be stronger next year. We've said this for seasons on season. Maybe they won't be. Yeah, but there's a huge amount of squad that are probably going to end up leaving this. That's the thing. You, well, I'll let you talk about that if you want. But there, there's some key players that aren't going to be there, and yeah. I think that's what he knows. It's a bit of a shape. He's frustrated. You could tell. He's, like McGee was the one where he'd been very like quiet about him leaving but then in that same interview he was like well we're losing him and you can t- maybe that was why he was so upset he was thinking about well not going to have this squad that midfield trio that's been so good all could be not there next season but uh, yeah yeah I mean I think I think Hibs fans can take confidence in the fact that I, th- I think Neil Lennon has proved to be a very good coach in his short managerial career I don't really hold that Bolton stint against him because Bolton were just a basket case I've said it on the podcast a number of times. I don't think it's enough credit for what he did at Celtic. Um, what he's done at Hibs is tremendous. And what Neil Lennon is, he's a motivator. He's obviously a very good coach in his own right, but like Robinson, like a lot of other coaches we've talked about today, he gets players playing the best they possibly can. People want to play for him. Yeah, exactly. And 
Um, yep, McGee will probably go. I think McLaren's probably going to leave now as well. Canberry, they have an option to buy. They might be able to buy him. Um, McGinn. Well, McGinn's one. I'm not so sure what's going to happen. If they sell him, they'll get a lot of money for him. And they might be able to get him to stay because they'll say, you've got European football next season. He might feel, right, Hibs in, in Europa League something interesting. And I really hope he does because the one thing I'm really interested in seeing from, Hib- from Hibs next season is if they can do anything in Europe because the way they play, I think, is really interesting, really attacking. It might suit them quite well to, you know, getting the better of lesser teams in Europa League group stage or uh, qualification. Um, but, but going back to Lenin, um, the reason I don't think he deserves to be in the same conversation as some of the other guys we mentioned is A, because they didn't end up finishing second. They finished above Hearts, basically, which is the main thing, I think, to compare them to. So they definitely have a good season. Lenin's had a very good season, but there's that. And when you look at the season as a whole, that Scottish Cup loss to Hearts, now in hindsight, stands out to me because... Like I said at the top of the show, we have to judge them on all the competitions they played in. And if I'm going to give Robinson immense credit for getting to two cup finals, I have to take points off Lennon for not for getting knocked out to hearts in that manner. Um, and we'll probably talk about McInnes to a similar extent in a minute. But So, Lennon, good, just below great in my opinion. No, I completely agree. Um, he, he, a phenomenal job, but I think that's the thing, it's... Fine margins, it's like a bit of a cliche, but it really is in terms of. I think he would also agree with that. He's very honest. I think he would say, "Well, I don't deserve to be manager of the year. Finish fourth, whereas they finished second. Yeah. He'd be the, one of the first people telling us, like, "Well, I should definitely be in the conversation <laughs> for it." Um, yeah, and I think finally, uh, and I think finally, but also one who very much deserves to be mm-hmm. talked about is Derek McInnes, which I feel Aberdeen and him have flown under the radar this season because there's this expectation for them to finish second, which is ridiculous. Mm. Not because they're not good enough to, but it's a really big achievement mm. for a club who has spent significantly less money than Rangers and Celtic. And uh, yeah, they will always be, or McInnes will always be judged on cup success. But that finishing second, they'll only realise how big an achievement was when it's not there. Um, and again, you wrote something a while ago on the fact that... Um, McInnes' biggest achievement in Aberdeen could be finishing second this season. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I agree to that to an extent because think about how tight it was. How did they do it? They went to Parkhead and won on the last day of the season. That, that is, they've not been able to do that for years and years and years. And to do that, I would be one of the first people saying I, I thought that um, they had a very, it was going to be very, very tight in the last day of the season. Cause I, and I thought one of the outcomes that certainly wouldn't happen was Aberdeen getting a result of Celtic. Mm. Uh, so it completely proved me wrong. And again, they've just flown under the radar. I think Rangers were getting at that point in the season where they were in that great run. And were like, oh, there's a title challenge. There's like, look behind you, look behind you. There's only three points ahead. And Aberdeen just kept doing what they do, consistently beating teams they're meant to beat. We're always there, never really fell away. And lo and behold, once again, uh, they finished second. And it's, it's a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, I think the thing that kind of comes into my mind when I think of Derek McInnes this season and what he should perhaps be singing at the end of the year, you know, dance, whatever they have, competition is My Way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> uh, regress have had a few, but then again, too few to mention. <laughs> yeah, there have been points in Aberdeen's season where they struggled, and time and time again, they've had to deal with getting berated for not doing well against Celtic and Rangers, although. I give them a kind of pass on how they done against Rangers because of the whole fiasco about him possibly moving to the club. Um, but McInnes has stayed true to what he's good at. He gets points against the team he's expected to beat. And he proved over this season that if he continues to do it his way, 
and he doesn't he might not pick up as many points as says Rangers he can still beat Rangers and he can still beat Hebs or whoever to second place he can still do it his way and it worked mm-hmm. and not only did he do that but he did it against far better competition as you mentioned there um, as you mentioned as well Luther Arsco wrote which I feel heartily believe in is the sense that if we're going to belittle what McInnes has done at Aberdeen today by saying he didn't have any competition we then have to pile on credit because this season he did exactly that yep could not agree more um, however I know before I move on to the however I should probably add as well that similar to kind of Rogers um, and Robinson extent he's also had to deal with a number of key players leaving the squad this season McGinn left for half a year he came back he hasn't really got back to speed maybe we'll see him again next season do well uh, but also Johnny Hayes is a huge one Ryan Jackson our player who had some Aberdeen fans might still not be willing to admit, but he was a huge player for them as well. Um, Johnny Hayes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and, um, yeah, and you know what, they'll probably have to deal with the whole thing, deal with it all over again with Ryan Christie leaving and Kenny McLean leaving, but McInnes has shown that, to be fair though, he's done it with a lot of duct tape and elbow grease because... Duct tape is a very good way to put it. As Aberdeen team, the squad are very much, you know, very limited. I thought this team was very limited this season. I actually was quite impressed by the players they brought in the summer. Um, but one by one they've all kind of fallen by the wayside even Mackay Stevens probably the only one I can think of who's done relatively yeah. well and he's picked up towards the end of the season I wrote something earlier this season I was so disappointed by him yeah. because like you look at I think it was comparing what he was like at Dundee United and he was red hot before he went to Celtic and then even at I think what I found so surprising was even at Celtic where it was he was his time at Celtic was considered not particularly successful mm-hmm. even his stats for his time at Celtic were significantly better than how he was doing for Aberdeen at that point of the season yeah um, he's picked up maybe a wee bit towards the end of the season I thought he would be better if I'm honest I, I still he flatters to deceive when he's good he's great but he's just not great consistently enough uh, they but, need him to step up particularly if Christie's going because Christie's been a brilliant player for them and he will be sorely missed as much as Kenny McLean yeah but then he's still done a lot better than Stevie May or Nicky Maynard or uh, you know uh, Stuart, Stuart yeah. yeah and and even aside from the players who already know are leaving they've all got a bunch of like Shea Logan and they, I know he says Andy Constantine of a year uh, Anthony O'Connor um, even guys like Dominic Ball who filled in for the squad and stuff as well this whole team's going to need a huge amount of investment this summer and I think because of that we have to give credit to the fact that McInnes has made it work up until now Um, so that's where I'd give him credit where I would take away from it is that again they did terrible in the cup competitions to a large extent not terrible but they didn't do well enough Um, Motherwell knocked them in the Scottish Cup semi-finals and Motherwell again knocked them at the quarter finals of the Scottish League Cup so I hold that against them to a certain extent and again they didn't do anything in Europe this is my main gripe with Derek McInnes at Aberdeen I, I'm usually a McInnes apologist to an extent but he's beginning to really bother me in a way he doesn't do anything in Europe yeah you can maybe argue that you know I've just said there they're going to have to rebuild the squad and that will probably end up getting in the way of what they can do in Europe League qualifiers but if I'm going to judge Rogers on you know how well he does in Europe I have to judge McInnes as well and any other coach if if Rangers had kept any of theirs and, and if we were talking about Tommy Wright or whatever you know so um, I have to that's a black mark for me the fact that they didn't do enough in the qualifiers for Europa League yeah it's 
just a final point, I, I do find it very frustrating and it's been happening for years, particularly when Aberdeen finished the first time round, I was like, I'm actually quite excited for them to be in Europe. I was like, they could do, not that they're going to go to the quarterfinals of the Europa League, but I was like, I thought they could at least get to the group stages and get some glamour ties back mm. to the kind of Copenhagen by Munich days, do something like, um, obviously there's no expectation, but I was just like, it would look good for our game if our second team were doing something. This is never really materialised. Um, so I would really like them to even make like the, to at least make the group stages, but that is a big ask given how many bloody qualifiers mm. our teams have got to play now. But yeah, uh, okay, so will we just finish by saying who we think manager of the year is? Will we start with who Twitter said manager of the year is? <laughs> yeah, but we did a poll last night, which was by any by no means a foolproof plan, but we put Rogers, Clark, and Lennon down, and then we put other for options for other people. And we had 49% of our list, our followers say Clark. 27% say Rogers, 15% Lennon, and then 9% said other, and that's mostly people saying Robinson and McInnes, so maybe split that half and half. So Clark seems to be the favourite. Yeah, I would probably agree in terms of... I find it so hard because I do, I do say Clark and I'm like, but yeah, Rogers, it is really hard to argue against. But I just feel for the actual transformation of a club, for Kamarn to have a manager like that, I would, I would say so. But... I've, if, if I'm going with Clark, I would say it's the closest gap in between first and second, if I can cop out, because mm-hmm. I do not want to diminish what... It's so easy to just be like, well, Brendan Rodgers is expected to do it, but to actually pull off a double treble mm-hmm. is bloody remarkable. Uh, and just to never look like they're losing in the important games. It's, I mean, no other Celtic managers have been able to do that as consistently as Rodgers over these two seasons. Mm-hmm. It's Even Martin O'Neill, like they would lose... The odd, the odd old firm or whatever, and I, I just think, yeah, he deserves a huge amount of credit, but I would say Clark for me ekes it. Okay, I'm going Rogers. Fair. Um, and then, and then, Robinson and Clark can share a second. Really? I oh, see. Yeah. I would probably go Clark, Rogers, and then maybe McInnes and Robinson. I think maybe they can share third. I think I think it's really tight at the top, and then I think there's a drop between. Yeah, those three in McKinnis in my opinion fair enough they can share a bit of the podium uh, well that's all we've got time for mm-hmm. yeah an extra, lo- an extra long bumper edition of the podcast uh, we've also a couple of you have tweeted us about uh, our levels and stuff like that in terms of audio so we're going to sort that this week we'll play about with it uh, there's nothing worse than a quiet podcast so uh, I totally agree with you on that so we'll sort that out this week and any other feedback in terms of positive or negative or things you would like us to change or try out uh, we're well up for that so please just get in touch on twitter or uh, on facebook at the 2.1 uh, but yeah thanks for listening and again more reviews on itunes we'd love that uh, more ratings as well it helps us kind of appear higher up in itunes uh, that'd be fantastic uh, again there's lots going on in the site at the 2.1.com this week so we've got something up in livingston at the moment why well purely why are they so good how have they managed to uh, defy the odds with one of the smallest playing budgets in scotland and in the Scottish Premiership next season uh, we've got Stefan's piece on should Celtic actually sign Edouard, uh, on Son Edouard particularly because it could be now £10 million it's Tony Andrew flow money uh, <laughs> wow I know right throwback Thursday even though it's nowhere near Thursday uh, and then we've got um, FM Analysis doing something on Kilmarnock's uh, transfer strategy not even transfer stra- strategy but just their signings yeah Lee Scott yeah. and Angus Cochrane's also doing a piece on where Rogers can go now after conquering all the lands and all the form, I suppose. Arsenal? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <clears throat> oh, obviously not anymore. Uh, so, well, that must be good news for Celtic as well, given that 
I think that died out a wee while ago, but yeah, yeah but quite good that it won't be even like rumoured throughout the summer. Uh, oh, no doubt, yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, but there'll be lots more. As usual, you can keep up to date on social media. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as I mentioned, at the 2.1. Uh, for more information on subscriptions, just head over to the2.1.com. You can try a free trial there. Uh, also sign up to our daily newsletter. You can find that. We tweet about it quite a lot once a day, the, the link where you can sign up. But you can also head over to the website uh, and sign up there. It's completely free. It doesn't mean that you're signing up to the site. It just means that you're giving us your email address and we'll fire you a newsletter at around half three, four, five o'clock that day, essentially with the, day, the day's headlines. So you'll be up to date when you come out of work. If you're on the subway and you need something to perk you up, uh, we'll tell you about the nonsense, the stuff that's slightly less nonsense and the stuff that's actually important uh, in Scottish football that day. But apart from that, we'll be back next week with another episode. Oh I can't speak anymore. Uh, we'll be back with James as well. We're going to go to his cave and retrieve him. So we'll be back next week with another episode of the 2 by one cast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>